Good evening, uh, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to this online service. Uh, we are into a very important topic, how to deal with the defiled spirit. So last week we learned about the schemes of the devil because if we want to fight him, come against him, we need to know how he works. And uh, the Bible tells us that we need to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. And uh, tonight we want to talk about the godly way to fight against the defiled spirit. And we know this is a wrestling match. You know, the struggle is, is uh, confrontational, is uh, personal. Uh, so we need to know the godly way to uh, confront or to deal with this defiled spirit. And uh, we want to look into particularly 2 Corinthians chapter 10 to see how the Apostle Paul deal with this kind of people. You know the Apostle Paul, he started this church in Corinth and, uh, and uh, he spent a number of years there to establish the church. And later on, he has to move on because uh, he go on to pioneer other churches. And uh, sometime later on his return, back to Corinth, he realized the other people has risen up and uh, they have uh, defiled the spirit of the church. They have drawn the people to follow them. And when the apostles came, came back, it was, it was a very unpleasant, painful experience because of these people challenging his authority, who does he think he is. You know, these people present themselves as far better, superior, super apostle. You know, so the church was actually misled. And, and, and they follow, uh, or at least the majority follow this uh, so-called uh, apostles who has uh, divided the church. And uh, so Paul has to live you know, in a very uh, painful manner. He cannot stay any longer. And then uh, after he left, he originally planned to visit them. Uh, that was his original plan. But he would not do it because he doesn't want the same kind of uh, fights and uh, division uh, that is there. So during this time away, Paul wrote a very serious letter. It's not the First Corinthians, Second Corinthians. It's, it's another letter that is not included in the Bible, addressing the the Corinthian church. It was a serious letter. It was a hard letter. And uh, uh, so. We, you know, we want to look into his experience, how he deal with these people who, who are divisive and, and, and cause division in the church. And, and, well, can you imagine people even following them? 
and and they are used by God in certain way because definitely they project themselves as super apostle, much better than Paul and and so on. So they they are actually used by God, but but these people are. Their spirit is not pure. Their heart is not pure. And the amazing thing is, the Corinthian church was swayed by them uh, until Paul came, uh, come back again and found out the situation. Okay, let's uh, get into how Paul deal with this situation, deal with these people who has uh, defiled so many and uh, divided the church. And let's look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 onwards. We will be primarily looking into chapter 10, right? Uh, But, uh, yeah. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapon we fight with are not the weapons of the world, on the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So Paul make it very clear that they are not fighting using the worst way. We're going to look at how these people fight using worldly ways. And then uh, we look into how Paul fights. And as we have mentioned, this is not the raw power kind of confrontation. But... There's a lot of scheming, a lot of argument, a lot of uh, defense and, and, you know, lies and accusation and, and, and deception. You see, Satan has come in and defiled uh, many. So how does Paul turn these people back, turn the majority of these people back to the right way, to the ways of God? And, and that's what we want to look at. So Paul says we do not fight as the world does. But these people do. Those who are used by Satan. You know, how do they fight? We want to look at it. We, we learn that the, the world fights by influencing others to be on their side. So that they can say, you know, so many people say that. Uh, all people say that you're like this. See, they divide and rule. They divide the cause division, cause people to follow them. You see this super apostle? They cause people to follow them and say, Paul is, uh, who is he? You understand? So they divide and rule. And you just look at the world. You just look at our country. Then you know how the, those, who, those who are in authority, how they use the worldly way to, to rule. Divide and rule. That's what they do. Okay, so, uh, and how do they divide? 
they put you down, you know, and they accuse you of uh, all kinds of things. And uh, so when Paul wrote this letter to counter their attack, it's important that we do defend ourselves. You know, a long time ago, I hear people say that, you know, uh, when people attack me, I just leave it to God. I just pray about it and, and, and God will fight for me. Sure, He will fight for you when you fight for yourself. We've learned that it's a fight. You have to stand firm and, and, and come against it. You know, so don't be super spiritual and, you know, and say, you know, we don't, we don't talk back, we don't defend ourselves. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to fight back. When you fight back, he will, he will twist and turn. You know, see, he defends himself. He defends himself. Let me tell you, this is a godly way. The Bible tells us, yes, we fight, but not the worldly way. We don't go and talk down and, and, and tell lies and accuse people. We speak the truth. We speak the truth. And, and that's how we should fight. So, so the enemies fight by, by putting them down. So Paul wrote a very severe, worthy letter. And so these people, you know, they twist and turn. Well, see, look at him. When he's around, he's so weak, he's, you know, and, 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 and timid. But when he's away, when he wrote those letters, see how he showed himself to be so powerful. Can you see? These are the spirit, demon spirit, how they accuse you, how they attack you. Let's read about it in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 10. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, whom and timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away. And see, Paul, Paul is a humble servant of God. So when he is with them, he, he just has the spirit of Christ and, and, and serve them. And, and look at verse 10. Verse 10, for some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Can you see how people twist and turn? Paul said, we come to you in the humility, in the humility of Christ. It's not that we cannot fight like the world, but we don't. Because we are standing in the truth. So when you are humble, when you are gentle, well, they accuse you, right? When you are harsh, then they accuse you for being harsh. So you see how these people are fault finders, fault finders, the worst way. They cannot accuse you on, on, on certain area. Then they will try and find faults. If they cannot find faults, they will twist and turn. And uh, look at how they accuse Paul in verse seven. Uh, verse seven. His, Paul, uh, uh, Paul says, 
Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? Can you see the most ridiculous kind of accusation? You know, they say, "Well, this Paul, who is he? He is a cheap apostle. When he come and preach, you know, did he collect any money from you? Did he ask any money from you? You know, cheap, very cheap." Isn't it crazy? But this is what happened in church. This is what happened to Christians who are demonized, who are used by Satan to, 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 to slander. It twists and turns. Paul said, was it a sin when I didn't charge you anything? I just serve you with sacrifice, you know, and, and, and get others to, to give money so that I can serve you freely. The worldly way. And they, the worldly way, they want to prove they are better. They are right. How do they do that? In uh, verse 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. I do not think I'm in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. So can you see, these worldly people, these people who allow Satan to use them, they compare themselves with themselves. They exalt themselves. Remember, pretense. They think they are better than others. Paul said, I don't compare myself with, with uh, others. And, uh, and they attack him. Look, well, he's not arrogant. Look at the way he talks. So Paul said, yes, I'm untrained in how to speak. But what I say, there are depths, there are knowledge. There are revelation. And you know, Paul boasts about his revelation, how he was taken up into the third heavens and how he could not even tell them some of the mystery that he saw up there in heaven. All these are in the context of defending himself to show to this so-called super apostle. You know, they think they're spiritual. Paul says, I am more. They think they are Jews. I am more. I'm the Pharisee of the Pharisee. You see how Paul need to constantly defend himself. And sometimes I defend myself just like Paul has to do. And those accusers, well, it got into the... Yeah, you see, he, he uh, uh, exhort himself. He boasts. He thinks he's so good. Demons don't like that. They don't like truth. You know, the reason why I need to defend myself is to shut the mouth of those demons. You know why I talk about our ministry goes to the nations and, 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 and different, well, how many uh, thousand people are tuning into the message every week? 
because those demons are accusing me, attacking me, my message, you know, is this and that. I just want to shut their mouth. You don't want to listen to other people does. Other people tune in every week. Paul has to do that. Because the only way to shut the mouth of those demons because they lie is to bring them the truth. This is the truth. This is what is happening. So Paul says, you know, what I preach, have knowledge, have depths. You see, fault finders, they cannot attack you on any way. They will just try and find fault. So they attack that, well, the way he talked. And look at verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 11, 2 Corinthians 12, 11. I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commanded by you, but I'm not in the least inferior to this super apostle, even though I am nothing. Paul says, yes, I know I'm boasting. I know I'm, I'm, I'm writing about myself. But the reason why I have to is because of you, you guys. Because of the accusation, because of the slander, because of the attack. So I have no choice. That's why I'm doing it. And I know who I am, Paul says. I'm, I am not in the least inferior to those super apostles. Those people who boast they're so good, they are so and so. Paul say, I'm, I don't lose to them. I know who I am. I know what God has called me. So, they want to intimidate. They want to accuse and attack. Paul just presents the truth to them. They question Paul's qualification as apostles. Can you imagine the greatest apostle in the whole human history? The one who wrote so many, so, so many books in the New Testament. The one who was caught up in third heaven. They question his authority. Who is he? Well, who am I? You know, a student is not greater than a master. Jesus said, if I get persecuted, don't you think you will be persecuted? Right? So, can you imagine? Even Paul, the apostle Paul, people, those, with those uh, 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 so-called super apostles being used by demons to, to cause division, with those ridiculous arguments, they also can sway the church over to follow them. Why? I mean, when I tell you we read some of these arguments, you would say, oh, crazy, crazy, stupid. But the whole church, almost the whole church, was swayed because they are demon spirit of lies and deception using those people. Those who are full spirit are defiled to divide the church, to, to destroy the church. And they judge outwardly the worst way. We're talking about how the worst fight. Right? The worst ways are 
through outward appearance. So in verse 2 Corinthians 10.7, Paul says, You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So you see, these are Christians. These are so-called apostles, servants, leaders who are used by God. So Paul said, you claim to be belongs to Christ. Paul never disputed that. Paul didn't say, oh, these are not Christian because they do all these things. No. Paul knew Satan is working, but he knows these people, they, they belong to Jesus. So, so Paul never disputed that they are not apostles. They are not Christian. No. Because Christians, servants, whoever you are, if your heart is not right, Satan can use you to cause division and, and to build your own kingdom. So they, they pride in the appearance, how they present themselves, how they look and so on. Paul said we know who we are on the inside. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 18. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. This is Paul's answer to them. Well, you can talk about what you want, you can boast about what you want, but at the end of the day, it's what God says. It's who God says. It's who God commands that counts. Not your boasting, not what you talk about. Okay, so now we look at some of the worldly ways that these Christians, some of the leaders, so-called apostles, the ways that they're using to come and attack Paul and to divide the church. And let's look at now, look at the divine weapons we have to fight the defiled spirit. Okay, remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood but those demon spirit that is working. And so let's read that verse again. It said the weapon we, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how, how do we fight? How do you come fight against people who willfully let themselves be used by the enemy? Well, they wouldn't say that. They may deny it, but that's the truth. That's the fact. How do you fight? Look at uh, Proverbs 2, verse 11 to 13. Proverbs 2, 11 to 13. He said, Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guide you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths 
to walk in dark ways. So these are people who were walking in a straight path. But now they have left the straight path, right? For these people to be used by God as apostle, as anointed, at one time, they are walking close with God. And maybe because of success, pride, and, and, and uh, other things, the heart was defiled. The spirit was defiled. So these who have left the straight path to walk in dark ways, how do we fight? We must have discretion. It's a discretion will protect you. Because their words are perverse. People who deliberately, stubbornly desire to behave in a certain way that is, that is unreasonable and unacceptable. Wow, it's so hard. Stubborn. You know, so discretion. We need to really be able to judge and to decide correctly. And, and be careful to, to be able to, to know what, what is right and what is wrong. The strategy that the enemies are using so that we can plan how to counter and how to deal with that. You see, remember, it's not just prayer. A lot of times people just pray. But we need to strategize, discern and plan. And then he said, understanding will gut you. Understanding will gut you. There's a lot of slandering. There's a lot of deception, accusation going on. But we need the understanding of God to see beyond the surface, to, to see beyond what is happening, the real cause. so that we do not fall into the schemes of the evil one. You know, I know the devil will always divert attention from the real problem. People don't want to face the real problem, so they attack you, they shift the attention. They don't look at themselves. We learned last week we have to look at ourselves. Problem is not with others. So we need to understand some of these ways so that we know how to deal with them. And they don't like it. And wisdom will save you. Not the wisdom of this world, but divine wisdom. And we need wisdom to fight. And, and in fact, wisdom is so powerful to fight against demons. Look at uh, Ecclesiastes, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 18. He said, wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. If you're foolish, you can destroy a lot of what has been built up. But wisdom is better than weapons. So in order to fight those demons, high-ranking demons who rules, you need to have wisdom. Because they are intelligent too. And uh, so Paul has to know how to defend himself. 
against the attack. Second Corinthians twelve verse nineteen. He said, "Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? We have been speaking in the sight of God as those in Christ, and everything we do, dear friends, is for your strengthening." Paul says, "I know you. You think that we are boasting. We are. We are." Uh, Defending ourselves, yes, indeed we are. But I want you to know our motive of doing it is not to to boast about ourselves because we are nothing. But rather, it is for strengthening you, is for building you up. But those who are used by demons, they try to exalt themselves to put you down. But Paul says we do this. To lift you up, to strengthen you, to build you up. So, so Paul tells us now that he wrote this letter in Second Corinthians two verse four. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart, and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. So that letter was. Written in, in pain, and grief. But Paul knew. You see, the thing about this is when we deal with these people, these are the people we have nurtured. These are the people we care for. We 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 uh, are trying to to build. And when they turn against us, for us to deal with them is. There is such a struggle because we we have no guarantee the answer will be good or bad. There's no way you know. So when you try to present the truth and deal with them in a severe way, in this case, can you imagine the struggle that Paul has? He know when they read this letter, they will be uh, grieved. You know, they it will hurt them. But what do you do? You got no choice. If you don't do it, demons will be rampant and have their ways. If you do it, well, it may cost. It could cost more pain. So Paul says not to grieve you. That's not the intention, but to show you how much we love you, because we want to see restoration. We want to see you coming back. Okay, so. And then in this case, because it affects the whole church. The damage done by this so-called super apostle, you know, affects literally the whole church. So Paul needs the whole church to stand together with him in order to fight this war. So Paul, during his visit, he realized it's as if nobody was standing on his side. He was so shocked. He was so grieved, you know, when he went away. And that's why this severe letter. And uh, yeah, certain truth, a tough truth, right? It will cause pain. It will cause uh, grief. But uh, you just have to do what you need to do. We just have to speak the truth in love. Even though those truth can be painful truth, 
So we move to the third point. The outcome of the dealing depends on the response of the people. It's out of your hand. You can do what you can. You, you have to do what you need to do. But the result is up to the people, up to their response. Okay, so uh, let's read verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 8 to 11. It says, Even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led, to, led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worry sorrow brings death. So in this case, most of these people, when they read the letter, oh, they were hurt. They were grieved. You see, they can react in both ways. Either worldly sorrow or godly sorrow. You know, the people who allow demons to use them, oh, they will, they will look at the letter as, as we have seen and say, look, who is he? Who does he think he is? When he's around, he's, he's so gentle, he's so soft, but write this letter so strong. You know, who does he think he is? You know, these people will, will, will react and oppose like that. And they did. But the majority of the Corinthian church, the people, they knew Paul. And so they were hurt because of what Paul has said to them. And that's why I say truth sometimes has to deliver in a certain way. And God and, and, and Paul intended it to, to be. To bring about hurt in them. So that they, they will realize the problem. So that they will repent. And indeed, they, they repented. Godly sorrow that leads them to repentance. But we know there are people who react in worldly sorrow. Well, he's talking against me, he, you know, and, and they, they, they fight because demon spirit is working in their life. But when the Holy Spirit works, it brings about repentance. They were sorrow, so, uh, 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 sorry. And so Paul says, because you have repented in a godly way, it didn't hurt you. In fact, it did you good. But if you react in a worldly way, it will bring about death. Gone. But now salvation comes. Restoration comes. God's purpose can be rekindled and, and be fulfilled. But worldly sorrow will lead to death. So Paul has no way to know how they will react. And that's why when the letter was given, Paul was very anxious. I think the letter was delivered by Titus to the Corinthian church. And Paul was struggling, you know, how would they react? How would they respond? And can you see, this is often our, our emotion when we have to deal with those situations. We don't want to, we don't like to, but we have to deal with it. We have to deal with it in a certain way. 
but we're just hoping for the best, praying for the best. That's all we can do. It's up to the people. And verse 11, chapter 7, see that this godly sorrow has produced in you what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point, you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. So they were misled in a way, but they didn't do it intentionally. They were deceived. So Paul says, you know, your repentance shows that you were really innocent. You know, these people just somehow misled you and so on and so on, right? So the, the church has to rise up in obedience to the leader when we face this kind of conflicting situation where the church could, could have been divided and destroyed. And so Paul explained the reason why he wrote in the 2 Corinthians 2 verse 9. He said, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. How do you like that? If I were to say, you know, I want to see you in obedience in everything, I can hear those demons screaming, who does he think he is? He thinks he's God. You know, human beings always make mistakes. You know, we, how can we obey a person in everything? But can I read the scripture to you again? Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. That's what Paul says. So he expects them to obey. They've always obeyed. But now when he's not there, he wrote this letter, Paul expects them to respond positively, obedient, and follow his instruction how to deal with the situation in a church because Paul couldn't, couldn't go there, don't want to go there because it creates chaos or, or, or conflicts if it's, the problem is not solved. So the church has to rise up in unity with the leader because there's no way Paul can fight this battle by himself and win. But thank God. Uh, but in Ephesians, it tells us that. Ephesians 3.10, his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. You see, it's godly wisdom that has to come forth to put those demon spirits to shame and, and cause them to run, right? To defeat them. So Paul needed the church to respond, the people to respond, and that's why he wrote the letter. But the truth is not everyone will obey. Not everyone will respond positively. We must understand that. There will be those who are aligned with the, the, those super apostles. There will be those who are related to, to, to them very closely. Huh? So, Oftentimes, people in those situations, they don't know what's right and wrong. Their human relationship, friendship, is much stronger than their love for Jesus and their relationship with Jesus. And so, in this case, majority did. 
right? Let's read it in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 6 to 8. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. So Paul wrote to them and instruct them to deal with the person who bring about, who caused that division, who, who, who was slandering, who is doing all kinds of uh, uh, things to get people to follow him. Paul says, hey, you are deal with him. And majority of people did. And now the person has repented. Paul said, that's enough. You know, because the person has repented, majority has, has, has discipline or, or, or uh, punish. I don't know what kind of uh, punishment was that. Pun, punishment inflicted on the person. Paul said, it's enough because it brought about repentance. Okay? So the minority didn't respond. And as I say, the minority most likely will oppose Paul and who are more closely related to this person. Thank God, Paul was able to turn the people back in obedience and follow the right way, follow uh, him. So, can you see, it was, it's necessary to defend ourselves, it's necessary to present the truth, it's necessary to, come, to counter those arguments. So that's what Paul says. You know, we do not fight with human ways to put people down, to put those people down. Paul did not. But Paul presented the truth. That's how he destroyed argument and pretension and every high thing that exalts itself against God, the knowledge of God. You see, Paul presented the truth. And that's what we need to do. It, it is tough. It's difficult to, 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 to lay down those reasoning. But we want to fight with godly ways, the ways of God. And so uh, that's what we, do, we need to do. And Paul deal with the, this problem thoroughly because he knew Satan, the craftiness of Satan, Satan will come back and attack. So, so he said, in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6, And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Uh, I'm really curious and really interested to know what kind of punishment they deserve. You know, I wish we can do some of this thing, dealing with some, some of this kind of problem today. But they did. And the church was preserved. Majority of the church come back to him. And then they, and, and they were able to restore relationship and deal with these people, you know, discipline these people. And the church is restored back to his glory. So this evening, I hope this example of the Apostle Paul will help us to see some of these struggles that churches will go through. And it happens in the early church. And don't be surprised, it happens today. And oftentimes it does happen. But we do need to know how to deal with it. 
Because a lot of times we do not know the scripture, we do not know how to deal with it, and people expect you to deal with it in a human way. You know, uh, uh, you, you cannot be harsh. You cannot be wow. Well, you cannot hurt the person. You, well, they don't read the scripture. But Paul instructs the tortured to punish the person. I don't know what it is. But they did. They did. And thank God they did because the person repented. So we don't want to uh, do things in the worldly way. We want to do things in a godly way. That's how we present the truth to counter what those demons are doing in that defiled spirit. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the scripture. We thank you for the insight that we have so that we will know how to deal with our present situation when we go through difficult times, wicked times, people will try and destroy the church. Lord, we will have your wisdom. We will have your understanding. We will have the discernment to deal so that your church is being protected, your name being glorified. Bring about repentance. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again.